as we jump into the Word today. You know, we finished, uh, last month was a series on worship, and then uh, last week, you know, if you missed that message, we were talking about uh, using our gifts within the body of Christ, and I think we titled that, uh, anybody remember? <laughs> Eat my pleasure, that's right. And so today, we're starting a new series called, When We Pray. Say that out loud with me. Say, When We Pray. When We Pray. Okay. There were three preachers sat discussing the best positions for prayer while a telephone repairman was working there at the church in the offices. Kneeling is definitely the best, declared the first preacher. No way, said the second preacher. I get the best results standing with my hands outstretched to heaven. Uh, You're both wrong, said the third. The most effective prayer position is laying prostrate, face down on the floor. In desperation, they turned to the telephone repairman and asked, which of these positions of prayer do you think is the most effective? Well, said the telephone repairman, the best praying I've ever done was hanging upside down from a telephone pole. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Bishop Jake said it like this one time. He said, were it not for difficulty in our lives, most of us would never pray. Isn't that true? Say amen. I'll tell you, that's the truth. And what I want to do today is I want to help liberate you from the duty or the chore of prayer into a real relationship and the enjoyment of interacting with your best friend, Jesus Christ. Prayer, literally defined, real simply, is how I would define it like this, is simply communicating with God. We were strategic last month when we were talking about worship and interacting with the Lord in worship throughout the day. The reason why we wanted you to get a hold of that, because we wanted you to start from the premise of God loves me and I love him, and interacting with him through song, and interacting with him through through. Can, uh, you know, expressing my love from my heart through song. And then I want to move us into this month into prayer. And, uh, and, and most of the time when we hear prayer, we think about a duty. You know, I don't pray enough. I mean, there's not a person in this room that would say, man, I pray too much. I really need to stop. Most all of us would go, hey, I don't pray enough. And we would be prepared for a message about prayer to be about how we need to pray more. That's not at all the goal of this series. Just the opposite. The goal of this series is to connect you into a wonderful relationship with Jesus and teach you that it's wonderful and enjoyable to interact with him through communication. Now, all of us communicate a little differently. Uh, you know, we, we spent some time this week on a road trip. We took my son. He's graduated high school uh, last week. And so we took him, yeah, we took him to the beach just to, in the family, kind of a family thing. And, uh, and, uh, and we were on the beach for 48 hours. That's about it. But in that 48 hours, I looked over and, and Jamie's got pictures of seashells and she's texting them to her friends and they're texting them back. Those are amazing. That's awesome. Oh, I like the white one. Oh, look at the dark one. That is so cool. And they're back and forth. Oh, do you think maybe you can turn it into a necklace? Can you imagine me texting my bros? Hey, bro, check this seashell out. They'd be like, dude, are you okay? I mean, that would be the interaction. So I, so I, don't, I don't think that we all need to try to emulate one another when, it talk, when we're talking about communicating to the Father. Somebody say amen. I want to liberate you that this is the right way and this is the wrong way. I think the right way is when you and I communicate to him our way. Somebody say amen. And so I want to help you that communication to the Father which we call prayer, should be enjoyable, should be excitable. And then I want to liberate you also from the concept that I shouldn't be asking for things because that means I'm selfish. I, I don't want to do it. Just the opposite. I want to teach you what prayer really looks like. In fact, Matthew chapter 6, and I'll just refer to it. Jesus is correcting um, um, uh, those who are, who are uh, making big boasts about their prayer life. And he's talking to his disciples, and they actually ask him, will you teach us how to pray? He's correcting the, he calls them hypocrites, and he he says the hypocrites stand out in front of everyone and sing loud, loud, pray out loud prayers so that everyone will see how, how uh, anointed and gifted they are. And 
he calls them hypocrites. He said, don't be like that. He says, in the heathen, he called these heathen. He said, what they do is they repeat themselves over and over and over and over again. He calls that heathen. And I think the reason why is because he's saying there's no relationship there. That's just a person who's saying repetitively over and over and hoping to get some kind of response. He calls them heathens. And then they ask him, well, teach us how to pray. And we'll look back at that uh, come Father's Day. We'll look at the scripture where Jesus gives us the, the Father, our Father which art in heaven example prayer. But today I want to move further into what he talks about in the book of Luke. So turn there quickly. Luke chapter 11, verses 5 through 10. Again, we're calling this series, When We Pray. Everybody say, When We Pray. Come on, When We Pray. And I want, to, I want you to understand the power of when you pray. And I want you to understand the position from which to pray for, from so that you see the results of what God's intended for you. We'll start in verse 5 of Luke chapter 11. Again, if you're just turning there, uh, I'll give you a second. At the same time, for you guys who are dyslexic, that would be 11 e cool. In verse 5, it says, And he said to them, Suppose one of you has a friend, and he goes to him at midnight and says, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread. I'm going to tell you right now, if you knock on my door at midnight, you better be a friend. Tell you right now, I got a shotgun anyway. And so it says, friend, lend me three loaves of bread because a friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have nothing to set before him. You got to understand Jewish people are very hospitable. That's why the scripture says that you can't be in leadership if you don't have hospitality in your DNA. He says leaders have hospitality and they care about people. They want to welcome people. And so this Jewish story that Jesus is telling is that someone came to a house. And, and it was a friend, and he's, uh, he came at midnight. But I don't have anything to present for him. I have nothing to feed him. So I go knock on my neighbor's door at midnight, banging on their door, asking them to loan me some food so that I can set out a nice little spread for my friend who came from a distance. And he continues on in verse 7. He says, and the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door is already locked, and my children are with me in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him bread because he's a friend, yet because of the man's boldness, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. Continuing on, verse 9. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. Who, who, he who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be open. You say, well, pastor, I really struggle to believe that if everyone who asks receives. Exactly. And I'm trying to help you not be an unbeliever. I'm going to bring you into belief today. My goal is to help you, again, believe the truths of God's word. Now, Jesus starts this whole teaching on prayer, and he sets it up in a scenario about two friends interacting in the middle of the night in a very inconvenient moment. And he starts with friend. Everybody say friend. The premise of prayer should be the point of you and God being friends. This is the breakdown. Many of us see God as this distant entity that is waiting to judge us for all of our sins. Some of us have been exemplified, it's been shown to us as an example that God is the judge and he is the judge. He will separate the sheep from the goat. He will judge every one of our actions here on earth. But Jesus said it like this. He says, no longer do I call you servants, but I call you friends. And the reason that is, is because you and I must have a deliverance moment in our mind where we don't see God as the big bad wolf who's ready to get mad at us or the the mean stepdad that we grew up with, but we see God as our friend. Everybody say, God is my friend. Say it again. God is my friend. Now say it like you believe it. God is my friend. 
And Jesus starts the whole premise of prayer from this position. A friend goes to a friend. Isn't that powerful? And this is where I think a lot of the breakdown in prayer comes is that you don't see God as your friend. You see him maybe as, um, as someone who can give me some things, but that I've got to do for him so that he'll do for me. And so since we, many of us didn't have good uh, parenting situations as we grew up, maybe we didn't have a good fatherly figure in our life, we then take that filter and, and put that upon Father God. Well, he's not like that. He is a good good father as we sing. He's a good dad and he cares for us. And so Jesus starts the premise is he's a friend. Now listen, you got to be a friend to come knocking on my door at midnight. I'm going to just tell you that right now. You think about that. You turn your phone off at about 10 o'clock, right? And if they call past 10, oh well. And if they call past 10 and your phone's on and you left the, the ringer on, how mad are you when you answer the phone? You better be dying or half dead. Why are you calling? The news is already over. And I'm already watching, you know, late night. I mean, you're, you're like, why are you calling me this late, right? And that's exactly the premise that Jesus puts this scenario in. He says, listen, a friend went to a friend at a wrong time. You ever got that friend that always calls at the wrong time? You know that friend I'm talking about? That person who always says, hey, can I talk to you? Like, dude, this is the moment, right? You want to ask me now. Of all time. Any other time would be fine. But this is the moment. And Jesus sets it in that scenario. And he says, even though they're close friends, it's such a bad scenario that the guy does not want to respond to him. But then he takes a second premise, and he's, and he's talking about prayer. But because of the man's boldness. Come on, bro. Come on, man. Open the door. You know you got some cheese up in there. I need some cheese. Open the door. You got some of that leftover meat from the other day? Come on, man, my buddy's here, man. He's from a... And because of his boldness, he gives him what he needs. The premise is friendship. And I'll tell you right now, you think about that for a moment. You imagine if some guy down the road comes and knocks on your door and says, Can I borrow your car? You're be like, I don't know. You better get out of here before I knock you out. Call the police right now. But the neighbor who you've been close with year after year, who went out of town and you cut his grass and and watched his kids after school till he got home from work, and, and who, you know, y'all have done a couple barbecues together, and you've been in his house, and he's been in your house. He comes over and says, man, my car broke down. i got to run an errand real quick. Can I borrow your car? You go, sure, man, because we are friends. This is the premise where prayer is supposed to start at, and this is where the breakdown is potentially, uh, excuse me, most of the time in the body of believers. We don't see ourselves as friends of God, so we don't think we can ask him for anything because we don't have a relational line. But I'm looking at you today and telling you, you are God's friend. Say, I'm God's friend. I'm God's friend. And then from there, the boldness, even though it's inconvenient, is where Jesus just moves into. And then he closes out the concept with this. And if you ask, you will receive. Everybody say, ask. To receive, we have to ask. This is a breakdown. I, I don't know if it was the way we were raised. I don't know if it's because we went to university. And in university and in, in, in our education system, we've been taught that we're demigods. That we, we provide for ourselves. That we fight for our own. What we get is what we had to work for. And we got, we got to make uh, our life better by working hard and studying hard. I don't know if it was that philosophical concept that now drives us. That keeps us from this place of asking or if it was because we watched our little brother and little sister spoil little brats ask for every little thing they shouldn't be asking for and we like you need to grow up you little selfish little sucker i don't know if it was those concepts but what's happened is we brought that into our prayer life and we don't understand that jesus told us if we wanted to receive that we should mm, that we should a little louder that we should ask 
And that's a breakdown. And I don't know why we've come to that place in our Christian walk, but it's time to go back to asking that we will receive. Let's look at that verse real quick. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. Look at verse 10. For everyone, some people, a few people, the preacher, the worship leader, the small group leaders, just the people who serve, just the good Christian people. Everyone who asks will receive. This is a breakdown because you say, oh, that ain't true, Pastor. I can tell you that right now because I asked and I didn't get it. Well, I'm going to help you with that. Because I think a lot of times what's happened is we don't ask from the right position. So let me teach you the four positions in Scripture that it talks about that when we're to ask to receive, if we're going to receive, that we've got to be coming from these positions and from this point of view. Number one, you with me? Say yes. Number one, the key position to receiving what you ask for. Number one, you have to believe. Look at Mark chapter 11, verse 24, 25. Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for, whatever you ask for, therefore I tell you, whatever you, whatever you ask for, in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it'll be yours. Do what? Do what? Believe that you have received it, and it'll be yours. But it continues on, and it sets some more of that in order, and it says, and when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive him, so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. Ooh, that's the problem right there. Lord, I need this. Lord, I need this. And what'll happen is the Spirit of the Lord will say, Hey, listen, all of a sudden you'll have a remembrance of that person that you worked for who did you dirty and kept you from getting a promotion. And here you are praying about something, and now that comes up, and before you know it, you're contemplating and replaying that whole story in your life, and you're talking about it to yourself, and if I ever see him again, and if I ever, and what's happened is the reason why that's come to your remembrance is because you're praying and asking for something, and God's saying, ooh, I want to answer this, but we got a problem. See, I have a rule in place, a governing peace in the way I do life with you, and that is I cannot answer your prayers if you won't forgive the person who has sinned against you. It's a critical piece in Scripture, and somehow we, the body of Christ, love to skip past it. In fact, I love when he's teaching them to pray, and, and, and he says, and pray this way, and forgive me of my debts as I forgive those who've sinned against me. And so the reason why you're praying and some of the things aren't happening the way you want to, it could be is that you're still offended and got ought in your heart against an individual. I'll never forget when God opened my eyes to my own sin. I'm a pastor. I'm a leader. And a person who had done me dirty, and a person that I didn't do anything, wasn't my fault. I didn't initiate it. It was all their fault. Come on, somebody. And I'm sitting there asking God for something. And he says to me, he goes, and I, and I remember this person in that scenario just goes, and I feel it all over me. And I'm just like, okay, they ought, they ought to die. They ought to die. And in that moment, I'm reminded of this passage. And you're standing there with all in your heart. And I went, oh, my Lord. Father, I release them right now. I release them from what they've done. And I pray blessing over them. I pray the blessing of God on them. I bless them in Jesus' name. Bless them. Oh, I wasn't good at it. Oh, even I had even said I'd forgiven them. But what would happen is I would be in a conversation with someone who maybe knew them. And I'd say, mm-hmm. Yeah, there's some things about them you just don't know. That's all there is. And people love that. Really? What? Well, you know, I don't want to say anything, but 
Do you know my story? I haven't ever told you my story. Well, let me just tell you what happened between me and them. And You know, yeah, I pray for them. I've forgiven them and all. But what I was doing is I wanted you to be empathetic with me about what they did wrong. And what I created was a secondary offense in you. You don't even know them suckers. But I'm telling you all about them, and now you're mad at them. You don't even know them. And that felt good to me. I just, ha, 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 And I was doing that over and over and over again. And then God brings me to this place. Because I'm praying for this thing, and nothing's happening. And then I realize, oh, snap. Lord, I repent. Lord, please forgive me. Lord, have mercy on me on that. Why? Because I have come to a place where my prayers are hindered. I'm trying to believe you for something, but the second part of believing is that I also release people who've done me wrong, and now that my belief system can be clean. Have you ever had the spinning wheel of death on your laptop? You know what I'm talking about? When it locks up and nothing will work? Sorry, some of you guys are still using PCs. I, I think it's an hourglass for you guys. I don't know. Well, on a Mac, it's a spinning wheel of death, you know. And when that happens, you're like, oh, dear God, dear God, dear God, dear God. And you start trying to shut down programs and different things that are open. Why? Because too many things are open and it's causing your hard drive to crash. And that's what happens with bitterness and frustration and offense in your heart. You can't get anywhere with God because you've got too many apps open that are uh, uh, bogging down your hard drive. And you can't literally interact with the Lord the way you want to. And so if you'll just go down the list and start repenting and say, I forgive this one. I know that they did me wrong, but I forgive them. I release them. And as you do that, what's happened is your belief starts becoming cleared up. Because the problem is not that you don't believe God. The problem is that you also have unbelief. So your unbelief is fighting against your belief. We all have it. We all have it. I've explained this to you before. There are moments, I, I can pray for any of you with a bad back and, 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 a, and a blind eye or something like that. But I'll never forget when God told me to pray for that person and raise them from the dead. I was like, oh, God. I don't know if you still raised it. I started changing my doctrine. Lord, I think the dead people should stay dead. I mean, I just. <laughs> Why? Because I had unbelief. I had, I had faith and belief for your cold and for your blind eye and whatever else. But when it came to raising the dead, I was really struggling because I had unbelief fighting against my belief. Are you with me? Say yes. So if you want to see your prayers answered, you got to get in position of I believe. I believe not only does he love me and that I'm his friend, but he wants to do this for me. He wants to do this for me. I have to believe that. The only way I know how to connect this for you, since prayer should be a relational interaction with the person that is your best friend, the living God, the only way I know to connect that with you is, is a relationship with me and my son. Uh, you know, when my son turned of age to drive, he, we started a little lawn business so he could pay for his, you know, driving habits. And, um, and so, you know, he's cutting grass and stuff. And so we gave him, we had an old beat-up Yukon XL with 290,000 miles. And it's all duct taped up. And, you know, we're just like, oh, God, don't let him die. And so, you know, that's just kind of, you know, but at least, you know, the, a machine that big... <laughs> Everyone else may die, but he may survive. You know, it's a big, it's a big, big piece of equipment. And, uh, and so a friend of mine um, uh, had a car for sale, and I, I said, man, I think I need to buy that from you, a used car. And, and uh, he had a real cheap price on it, and he just decided he was going to bless us with it. And I was like, oh, that's the Lord. Thank you, Jesus, because I'm a pastor. Anyway, and so we got the car, and, and, uh, and, I, and I set Cohen down. I said, son, listen, I don't like you driving that, uh, that other machine, you know, the Yukon, because I'm scared it's going to blow up any moment. And, uh, and kill everybody, including you. And so, listen, around Cedar Hill, but when you go out to Arlington and places like that, I want you to drive this little car. And, uh, but the only, only thing is I want you to ask permission before you take it. I want you to just take it and run off with it. 
And I want you to know, Cohen's been so faithful to that. It's amazing. He had complete confidence and faith and belief that I meant what I said. And so now what happens is he'll call me and say, Dad, is it all right if I, if I, take, the, if I take the Cadillac? I'm like, yeah, son, go ahead. He'll text me, Dad, uh, Dad, is it okay if I take the Cadillac? He's already in the car driving off. And he's already, see, he's got such belief that Daddy's going to say yes. Come on, somebody. There have been times he's called me from Arlington. Hey, Dad, um, I'm sorry. I forgot to ask, but is it all right if I take the Cadillac? Where are you? I'm already in it in Arlington because <laughs> he's got such belief. He believes that I want that for him. Are you with me? Say yes. God wants the best for you. Whoever's told you something different lied to you. That's not what the Holy Scripture says. The Scripture says, if you ask, you will, say it with me, receive. So the first place is make sure you're in the right position of belief, that you believe God wants to do that for you, that God loves you, and that God wants you to have the very things that he's intended for you to have. The second position that you need to find yourself in to receive, and that is you need to pray according to God's will. Look at this beautiful passage, 1 John 5 and 14. It says this, it says, uh, this is the confidence that we have in approaching God. If we ask, come on, we're back to asking, if we ask anything according to his, say it out loud, according to his will he hears us this has been the problem for some of us is that we haven't asked according to his will we're we're asking according to our will god i want this and i want it now it's my money and i want it now i mean we want it my way right away and we want god to bend his will to accomplish our will and this is the breakdown this is why people don't get what they pray for because they're in the wrong position the position ought to look like this god whatever you want in this situation whatever you want to do with my coworker who's full of the devil if you want to kill them if you want to save them if you know no but seriously that's what we do lord i want you to remove them and we keep praying i don't know why god won't get rid of this person who's in my way because that's not according to his will a, a better prayer would be hey god I'm struggling interacting with this person. Would you change my heart? Would you change the situation? Lord, whatever it is about me that you're trying to teach me, help me learn so that I can embrace the situation and so I can have peace at work. Are you with me? Say yes. A uh, couple, uh, you know, two years ago, Adeline, my littlest, she's about six years old and she was playing upward basketball. And, uh, and so I was there. It was, it was um, one of the games. And if you've ever been to upward basketball, they don't keep score, which was very difficult for me. And, um, and, and so I want someone to win and I want someone to lose, doggone it, bless God, that's life. And, uh, and, but everybody's a winner and upward, and, and so they're all learning how to be nice and how to play fair and that kind of stuff. And, and so I kept watching over there, and there was this little boy who was pulling her hair out. And she's got that long blonde hair and little strands. And he would stand there and he'd do this right in front of her, in the front of her face, from the front of her head, not the back. And he'd go, Pah! and he'd rip it out. And he'd go, ha, ha, And she's like, oh, and she'd say something. And I'm watching from across the way. And I'm a good dad. I'm getting fired up, you know. And after about the third time, uh, you know, they take a little break. And she comes running over to me, <laughs> pulling my hair. And so because I'm a good dad, I have more of a concern. I don't want to beat up that little boy. I want to teach my daughter how to defend herself now. See, if I'll teach her how to defend herself now when she's six, she won't be bullied when she's 40. Come on, somebody. She won't end up in an abusive relationship with a husband who mistreats her because she didn't know how to stand up. I teach her now. And so she, she knows we have, we have a rule. Uh, we have this three-point rule. And the first point is when somebody does something wrong, you tell them nicely, hey, please don't do that again. And if they don't listen, they do it again. Then you say, listen, I, I've asked you nicely. I'm going to warn you one more time. Don't do it again or I'm going to go tell the person in charge. And if they do it a third time, you go tell the person in charge. And then on the third time, if they don't respond we have a fourth thing that we do. And so we're at the third point right there. And she's standing there, and she's, <laughs> I said, did you do what I taught you? Yes. Did you tell the coach? He didn't do anything about it. And I said, now listen to me. When you walk up back over there, 
If he does it a fourth time, I want you to punch him in his nose. And if there's not blood coming out, I'm going to whip you. I want him to be on the ground bleeding out of his nose. Do you understand me? And, you know, she's a people pleaser. So she's like, no, I can't do it. I was like, I will whip you if you do not punch him in the nose. And here's the reason why. First off, I'm trying to have her become confident in who she is. But now we've got a little bully who's six. What's he going to be when he's 50? What, listen, if we, his mom and dad obviously don't discipline him, and so now I've got to step in, or my daughter's got to step in and help him, because, you know, from there, he's going to end up kicked out of high school. Come on, somebody. He's going to end up in jail, and then, it, see, because if the parents don't discipline him and we don't deal with him, then what's going to happen is the prison system's going to have to deal with him, and if they don't deal with him, the electric chair's going to deal with him. So here's the point. He's six. That's why you've got to whoop him now. Come on, somebody. According to Scripture, you've got to discipline him, and the reason that is is because you've got to set the pace now for what's right and what's wrong. And I said, now, you go over there and you knock him out if he does it again and she's like and i knew she wasn't gonna do it it just wouldn't happen you know if it had been cohen he'd have done it but she's like <laughs> and she goes standing there all dejected and he's bouncing all around you know and he walks up to her and i'm standing there watching and he takes another couple clumps and rips it right out of his head and that's it i stepped up i said hey and i come running across the court about that time, the coach looks up. I said, listen, this little devil right here keeps pulling her hair. She's already told you. Now, if you don't fix it, I'm going to whip him, then whip you. Now, one of y'all need to make a decision right now. And that little kid's like that. And his dad looks up and is like, oh, no, he did it again. You know, he knew he's a little devil. He comes running over, tries to fix it. Why? I had to step in. This is the problem that we find ourselves many times when it comes to our relationship with the living God. Is that he's given you step-by-step processes how you can grow and mature and become better. But we still want to act like a child. And so we're asking God always to step in and step in. And sometimes what he's done is like, listen, I'm growing you up. You can step in for this. You can defend your own family, man of God. You can stand up and pray against the demons that are attacking your spiritual, you know, sons and daughters in the faith. You can, you can overcome this through prayer. And, and sometimes you can't. And God the Father says, that's my moment. Wa-pow! Get back, devil. And he makes a charge for you. But you got to understand the balance of this relationship and it is a relationship and so what happens is some of you are 40 30 years into your christian walk and you're still acting like you're freshly a newborn when i'm a newborn i've got to be carried i've got to be burped come on somebody my diapers have to be changed but once we've been saved any length of time the scripture says by now we should be teaching but we're still acting like infants needing the milk and and literally when it comes to prayer, your relationship with him should be growing and interacting, and you should start learning who he is and how he is, and you ought to be able to stand on your own two feet as you grow in the things of the Lord. And that's the beauty of what prayer is supposed to look like. Are you still there? Say yes. So the first piece, the first position is a place of belief. The second one is according to God's will. The third place that you and I need to be praying is we need to be praying with correct motives or desires. Look what James 4, 3 says. When you ask... You do not receive because you ask with wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your own pleasures. God doesn't answer my prayer. Well, what's your motive in this thing now, bro? Is this, is this your whole... Cohen, come up here, son. This is my son, Cohen Michael McCain. Give him a hand. I don't get him to help me with a little piece here. Just graduate. All right, so, so he's been with me since he was uh, for 18 years now. I hope so. <laughs> yeah. And so, and so the only way I know to connect this is like I would with my relationship with him. So God is our father. Everybody say yes. Now, if Cohen wants something, I give it to him. If it works within what is proper and appropriate. Are you with me? So Cohen, uh, let me ask you this question. We didn't really prep for this. I just wanted to kind of catch him off guard. Uh, what is something that if you asked, you know there ain't no way daddy's going to do that? So I told the first service, I really just kind of want to try this. Uh, 
I kind of picture myself running up to my dad as fast as I can and being like, Dad, I just met this guy at the gas station at the pump next to me. He's, he's saying just for $3,000, he'll let me have this grenade launcher. Dad, can you please loan me $3,000 so I can <laughs> get a grenade it's a, launcher? It's an eight-cylinder eight grenade launcher. I've, I've always wanted one. Dad, can I please have it? And what is my answer going to be? It's going to whack me upside the head. I'm like, heck no. Pow, you lost your mind. Why? Because Cohen knows my will. He would never ask me that. Because he's in relationship with me, that would be a dumb request. He knows there ain't no way my dad, come on, you know, you, there was no way you ever asked your dad certain things, right? There's no way. And that's the breakdown in prayer. People don't know where the relational line is at, so they're asking things that doesn't even make sense for God the Father to do or give for them. Sometimes it's the timing of it's wrong. Uh, if my, you know, if my eight-year-old asked to have a car right now, that would be dumb. Are you with me? You're not ready for that. Sweetheart, you can't handle that. If he asked me for $3,000, God bless you. Good luck. If he asked me for $3,000 to buy a grenade launcher, I'd be calling the police. You know, come take him down. He won't listen. I don't know. And the point of the matter is he would never do that. Why? Because he knows what's a right desire and the will of the Father, his Father. And he knows how to stay in that line. And this is the breakdown in prayer. Thanks so much, Buzz. That was a good, good illustration. I like that. And so when your motives are off and your desires are off, and you want, you know, I, I tell these Christ for the Nation students all the time, hey, you cannot pray that God will force her to magically fall in love with you. Are you out of your mind? She doesn't even know you exist. Oh, God, I just pray that she would recognize my beauty and my power and my magnitude. Oh, God, open her eyes. I mean, that's the dumb prayer. God's not answering that, and then you're mad. God didn't answer my prayer. He told me I was going to marry her, and then she married someone else. Hey, dummy, you weren't even in right desire or right motive, and then you surely weren't in his will as you, as you brought that, uh, that prayer before the Lord. Now you're mad at God for him not answering something that was dumb. Are you with me? Say yes. So that we see that these are positions in prayer. Whatever you ask, you will. And so Jesus is working that ask and receive from the premise of what he's already taught, that you've got to be in proper position so that you even ask for the right thing in the right moment to receive the very thing that God wants to give you. Here's the last piece that I would tell you, the last position, and that is abide in him. If you and I are abiding in him, then according to John chapter 15, verse 7 on the board, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask whatever you desire and it shall be done for you. You will ask whatever you desire, and it shall be done for you. Look at Jesus saying this. How, how powerful is the scripture? If you abide in me, and my words are abiding in you, then even your asking will be proper. And, 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 and your desires will be right, and I'm going to do that. See, I think it's so much more about us becoming like him than us trying to get him to give us what we want. I think that's the breakdown. And so you'll see people like, you know, I quit on God. God's not up there. There's no real God. I tell you, that's all a fake. You're an idiot for believing. Exactly. I'm a believer. But you feel that way because you've tried to get God to fit into your box instead of you surrendering yourself to his box, to who he is. And I'm a Christian. I've surrendered myself to him. So whatever he wants, that's what I want. And I know what he wants. He wants me to be blessed. He wants my children to serve him. He wants them to not live in poverty. Come on, somebody. He didn't want them begging for, for, uh, for handouts out in front of the school because mom, his mom and daddy don't have anything. 
He didn't want them broke down on the side of the road with their lives in jeopardy because the one little car we gave them was some old beat up thing that, they, that it's dangerous for them to drive. Come on, are you with me? When you know God's desires and you want what God wants, you understand he wants that for you. God doesn't want you poverty. Somebody say amen. You missed that. God doesn't want you poverty. Somebody say amen. God doesn't, God doesn't want you sick and full of disease. Say amen. That's what his scriptures say. I don't have to go back and point out all of them, please. Surely you know these are truths. God doesn't want you mentally undone and stressed out in your mind to where you're seeing things and, 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 you, and you, you don't even know who you are sometimes. Everybody say amen. He didn't want you like that. And so when you know what God's desire is for you because he's your friend, then you can ask for whatever you will and he will give you your desires because his desires are abiding in you. He, who he is, I'm abiding in him, and then his word is abiding in me. So my prayers look much more like what he would desire and a lot less of what my sinful nature would desire. Are you with me? Say yes. Again, the goal of today's message, and you've got to believe this, he is your friend. And whatever you ask, you will. Whatever you ask, you will. From the right position, whatever you ask, you will. Because he is your friend. And he loves you and he desires great things for you. I, I know many of us grew up, you know, where we were taught, you know, don't really ask for a lot. Don't really ask for a lot. That's not at all what Jesus said. Jesus, in teaching us how to pray, said to ask. How cool is that? In, in, in teaching us what it's like to interact with our best friend, he gave an illustration of us banging on the door boldly and saying, Help, I have a need and you can provide it, would you please? And he illustrated that whole storyline by saying, and the friend got up and gave him what he needed. Isn't that good? Whatever you have need of, God wants to meet that. Some of us have become so insecure and prideful that we've stopped asking. You only receive, according to Scripture, when you ask. Would you stand with me all across the room? You guys have been so gracious. I want to take a few moments here today as we close out and minister to you. And I, I think it's time for you and I to get past the place. Well, bless God. If God knows what I'm going through, he'll just give it to me. I, I think we've got to get past the lie that, you know, that, uh, that if God really wanted me to have it, I wouldn't have to ask for it. That's not at all the premise. You say, why do you think God wants us to ask for it? The same reason I want my kids to ask for it. I want a relationship with them. I enjoy the interaction. Dad, can I have a popsicle? Yeah. Dad, can I have a popsicle for breakfast? No. Hmm. Dad, I mean, it's, it's, it's amazing. I love the interaction. I think he does too. I think, I, think that he, I think that he enjoys us asking. I think he enjoys the boldness and the persistence. Because every, every illustration in Scripture is what Jesus is talking about. About the widow who just kept knocking and knocking and knocking. About the unjust judge who didn't want to give her what she wanted. Didn't fear God, but because she just was so persistent. That was Jesus teaching us how to pray when he was talking about that. He was talking about what the relationship looks like. Prayer shouldn't be a list of, give me this, give me that. Prayer shouldn't be a, oh God, I'm terrible. Here I am again, I'm terrible. Prayer should look like you and your best friend talking. And your best friend being the, the king of glory. There are things that my children ask me for that I'll never be able to give them. I have limited resources. I can't give them brand new cars. I, I can't 
and I can't pay for their colleges. Oh, but your best friend has no limitation on his resources. Whatever you ask, you can receive because he's not limited by any of it. Whether it be sickness in your body, whether it be financial difficulty, whether it be a hardship in your marriage, put yourself in right position and start asking. I want you to bow your heads with me all across the room. And I'm going to take the next two minutes and I want you to start asking. I want to liberate you from the fear that God doesn't want to answer you. I want to set you free from the thought that, you know, I asked one time before and it didn't happen. Listen, friend, get free. You were in the wrong position. Let's, let's own it. Let's just be honest with that. I, I, want you, I want you just to get in right position right now. Say, Lord, what's your will in this? Because I'm struggling. Sometimes I'll just pray, God, I don't even know if I believe this. And I need your help. And he'll drop faith in me because I'm honest. I'll start having courage again. There are times that I'm, I'm just overwhelmed. I don't know always how to lead you guys. It's a growing church. We're growing so fast. I get a little insecure sometimes. And I'll just fall on my face and say, God, I need you. I don't know how to lead your people and not mess it all up. And man, he'll just start giving me wisdom. Why? Because I'm praying according to his will. I'm not praying for more salary and nicer cars and newer buildings. I'm praying for you. And God likes that because that fits in his will. Because that's his desires. Because I'm abiding in him. I know what to ask. And so I want you to just take a moment right there under your breath. Oh, God, would you give me this? God, I need this. God, could you show me this? Can you give me wisdom in this? Come on, I want you just to do it. Own it right there. Father, I pray for your people. As they begin to just ask, that, Lord God, that they would have faith to receive. That their believer would be uncluttered. Lord God, that it's gotten all bogged down where unbelief has literally shattered their belief system. Father, I just thank you right now, Lord God, they're going to believe again. Father, I thank you, Lord God, it's already been sent. It's on its way. That you're a good father. You're a good dad. And you know how to give good gifts to your children. And you wouldn't that any should perish, but all have eternal life. And if the son asks for a fish, will we give him a serpent? How much better would your heavenly father know how to give us good gifts? We hold to your truths. We believe that you're at working at, for our best interest. And Jesus, we just come back into friendship. Would you just take a moment, come back into friendship mode with him? Stop seeing him as a, as a, as a boss. Stop seeing him as a disappointed co-worker. Stop seeing him as a, a, that dad that never told you he loved you, never embraced you. Would you get past that filter and start seeing God for who he really is? Your best friend. Your creator. The lover of your soul. The one who takes and enjoys every moment of who you are. Who likes you doesn't just love you, enjoys you, laughs at the things that you do that are silly, embraces the things that are important to you, weeps, feels the pain when you're going through hardship, cares so much about you that he sent his only begotten son to die on a cross, that you can have a relationship with him again. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to switch gears. If you're away from God today, I'd like to give you this amazing opportunity to come back. Maybe the place that you find yourself in is it's time to ask for forgiveness. Maybe you were fearful of that. Maybe you feel like God doesn't want to hear that from you. Yes, he does. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that he is the Christ, the son of the living God, he'll cleanse you from all unrighteousness. It's in the asking. Oh, God, help me. Oh, God, I repent. Oh, God, would you please forgive me? Some of you find yourself in a moment where it's time to ask for forgiveness. It's time to come back to the Father. Maybe you've never been a Christian, and today's your day. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if I'm speaking to you, God's dealing with your heart. You don't want to live in sin anymore. You want to be forgiven. 
and you're ready to ask for forgiveness with no one looking around, would you be courageous enough to admit that by throwing your hand up and saying, that's me, Pastor. Pray for me. It's time to ask for forgiveness. God bless you. Anybody else? Thank you, sir. God bless you, sir. Anybody else? God bless you, son. God bless you, sir. God bless you, sweet love. God bless you. You're beautiful. Oh, you're so precious. Thank you. God bless you, sweetheart. God bless you, woman of God. I see your hand. You can put it back down. Thank you, brother. Thanks for your honesty. You can put it back down. You can put it. I see your hands. You can put it back down. We give you about three or four more seconds. You say, Pastor, pray for me. It's time. To, it's time. I need to ask for help. I can't fix this thing. I keep trying to make my life work, and I just end up in more and more sin. I keep. I just keep destroying everything. I need. I need help. I need God to come into my life. It's time to humble yourself and ask for that. This is your moment. Is there anyone else? Say, Pastor, pray for me. It's time. God bless you, sweetheart. God bless you, brother. God bless you, sweet love. Thank you for your honesty. There's been so many of you. Put your hands down. I want to pray with you. Now, let me, let me tell you something. There's nothing magical about the prayer we're about to pray. What's supernatural is that God's been dealing with your heart. He got you here. Isn't that cool? And you sense God. And you're ready to ask for forgiveness. Come on, you ain't never asked nobody for nothing. And here you are saying, that's right, I need God to help me. I need to change. I need to repent. I'm going to lead you in a prayer, connecting you and the Father. And when we finish that prayer, it'll be sealed. Life will be cleansed, transformed in that moment. In fact, I'd like everyone in the audience to pray out loud with those who lifted their hands. Those who lifted your hand, I want you to mean this with all of your heart. Say it like this. Say, Jesus. No, out loud. Jesus, I ask you, please forgive me. Wash me clean of all my sin. I'm ashamed of what I've become, of how I've been living. And I ask you now, remove the shame. I receive forgiveness. I receive your forgiveness. And I declare, Jesus is my Lord. Write my name in your book of life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. I belong to you. And I promise to serve you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name. Would you stay there with your head bowed? Father, I pray for every man and woman who lifted their hand. Right now, I pray that they would sense forgiveness. Right now. That, Lord, it would be a revelation. It would be an aha. Oh, there it is. Lord, I pray right now they would understand. They don't have to perform. They don't have to do 25 Hail Marys. They don't have to give the church all their money. They don't, they don't have to light a candle. They are forgiven because they asked. And you are faithful and just. And you wrote into life that if we ask, we will receive. Because you're a good dad. You're a faithful God. So may they feel that and sense that. Would you join hands with that person next to you real quick? And I want to pray one last prayer. And I want you to pray this with me. I want you to pray from the process or the theme that God wants to bless you. That God likes you and that he loves you and that you're his friend. And I want you to pray for the person on either side of you that whatever they've been asking for, that God would grant it. Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray right now, right now. Come on, pray right now for that person next to you. Father, I pray right now, whatever they're believing for, whatever they've not even know how to ask for, whatever they've been out of position to even be able to ask for, Lord, they've come into right position today through this message. Lord, we pray your will in this. Lord, we're learning to abide in you and not get outside of that and get back into sin. We're learning to, to love you the best we know how. Lord, in that process, oh God, please, please. Lord, you've got to heal some marriages. God, please, God, please. God, you've got to heal some physical bodies. God, please, you've got to deliver us in this turmoil in our home with our children. God, you've got to do something at work, God. God, you've got to show us whatever it is, whatever the problem is. If it's us, Lord, just show it to us. 
God, but it's got to change. And so, Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, we take authority over every plan of the enemy. I say, stop it right now in Jesus' name. Deliverance, come to your people. Those who are bound up in their mind, treat them right now in Jesus' name. And, Father, we thank you that when we ask, we will receive. And all God's people said, amen. Tell me, do you believe that? Say amen.